it's not just a facility manager, it's a team. And it's not just the facility manager team, it's actually the organization and in particular technical support, so folks and so on. So it invites that there's a whole new opportunity to collaborate and become a group of experts that are working towards the same success of an organization. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to another episode at FM Engine Podcast. My name is J.M. Freuler from Decisive Leap, and today's guest is Kathleen Lausman. Kathleen is a building industry professional providing expertise in capital planning, lifecycle asset management, and project management using technology and lean methodologies. Kathleen is also a president of the Facility Management Consultants Council, which is part of IFMA, the International Facility Management Association. Welcome to the show, Kathleen. Thank you. Pleased to be here. Awesome. Kathleen, why don't you give a quick overview on your background and roles and responsibilities at the FM Consultants Council, which is part of IFMA? Sure. My background is actually architecture. That's my first degree. And my second degree is business. That's a master's degree. I've actually been in the building industry my entire career. And Mm -hmm. I've worked in various industries, which has really broadened my view of buildings, other maintenance what they're used for and so on. So I've worked in parks, so the natural environment and building in the natural environment. I've worked in law, so the RCMP here in Canada, setting up their detachments around Manitoba, actually. And with that, the opportunity to deal with like building towns. So that included all of the infrastructure, water, sewer, etc., and building from the ground up and dealing with security issues. Having a really good opportunity to collaborate with live-in parts of this country and to actually work with them, which is excellent. I've worked in school boards. I've worked in healthcare and government. A great deal of my time has been spent in government. So I've got a very broad and deep knowledge of the whole building industry. And currently, we just had a general election. So I'm now the president of FNCC. And that's a group of consultants that are expert in all kinds of really amazing things and they are represented from around the globe. So we have an opportunity in this organization, IFMA, to tap into some really excellent knowledge bases and to help us actually deal with the challenges of managing buildings through the globe, frankly. So very interesting, very exciting. It's a great way to actually help solve common problems. I think the biggest challenges out there right now for facility managers, well, there's a few of them, but they're all interconnected. The environment and the impact of the environment on infrastructure and buildings is huge. And I think that will be growing a great deal. Technology is an opportunity and it's also a challenge. And at the same time, succession planning is a challenge. There's a whole lot of boomers like myself, I'm a boomer, in the workplace. And we may be looking to move on to things or just retire. So there's a need to get younger professionals involved in this industry. But at the same time, with technology booming out there and it's certainly capturing everyone's interest, whether it's AI or just using all kinds of technology for helping to manage buildings. So there's an opportunity to, I think, invite younger folks that are a lot more techno savvy, as we can see, to actually get engaged in this industry for that very reason that they can bring those skill sets to this industry that has to contend with buildings of 80 years, probably at a different point in their life cycle. 
cycles. So I think it's a huge opportunity to do a lot of collaboration and the boomers can learn more technology as young folks come on and share their skills in that while they learn more about buildings and how to actually manage them. So I think those are prime, prime things going on out there right now that are actually challenging this industry. So just to summarize again, number one was the climate and how it affects buildings and the sustainability around the buildings. And number two was new technology solutions that are coming to market. And then number three was the retiring boomers, basically, right? And finding younger talent to come in into the industry and replace them, basically, right? Those are the three main things that are top of mind. Yes, absolutely. No, they're all interconnected. So it's difficult to just focus on one. You know, as, as you were just summarizing, I was thinking about technology and sustainability. So there's a huge focus on energy and there's all kinds of technologies in development right now and certainly already on the marketplace that allow consumption of less energy while at the same time providing alternates to historic heating systems, for instance, that are fossil fuel based. And with the challenge of new energy, usually electric and how it's produced, also geothermal, which is a different way to heat and cool. So along with that comes the challenge of understanding these new technologies and how they might be actually incorporated into existing buildings and how that could replace current systems. Timing it with life cycle, really important. There are some challenges around backup power, so batteries, so on. I think the other challenge is dealing with so much more technology and so much more digital information and the need to actually store that and where do you store it? Is it cloud solution? Do you have power backup to backup your digital information and still have access to it? So there's a whole series of new challenges around just becoming more sustainable. But the interconnection is, of course, with technology. There are, and this is really exciting to me, because the challenges of lithium batteries and charging stations for vehicles and so on that current facility managers are incorporating into the buildings comes the challenge of fires. Lithium batteries tend to be prone to combustibility, spontaneous combustibility. So there is now, then that has has some mitigation for that. And and there's a company that's probably more than one that has designed and, and are manufacturing blankets that absolutely snuff these kinds of fires. So as we introduce different kinds of energy, we introduce different challenges and different threats. So it's important to be thinking about the larger picture of how we can address sustainability through electricity, what that looks like, risks and opportunities actually are associated with every installation in each location, each building. So again, I I think for me, I would certainly be promoting a lot of strategic planning for sure around these issues. And I would certainly be encouraging a lot of collaboration to sit down and look at risks and opportunities. So that means that it's not just a facility manager, it's a team, and it's not just the facility manager team. It's actually the organization and in particular technical support so folks and so on. So it invites that there's a whole new opportunity to collaborate and become a a group of experts that are working towards the same success of an organization but bringing to that discussion their expertise and figuring out how to get the best solutions for buildings and the work that goes on in them and the people who work in them so that they have the best situations to work in. So I think one thing that I'm seeing is that, and for me personally, I've been in this business for the last 40 years, and that was a function of 
of hierarchical kind of leadership. And that still is the default. And I think the future, which is tomorrow, quite frankly, suggesting that the change, one of the other changes that I haven't touched on yet, is our governance structures, actually. And I think that's really important. It's important certainly for facility management, but it's also important just generally for organizations. So that's probably a bit of a side interest for me. And so I'm talking to a lot of folks that are likewise interested in that. But I think that the more we find opportunities to collaborate, the more we are going to be a lot more successful individually and collectively. And so that's partly what my company is involved with is, and that's through lean processes dating back to Deming and Toyota, but it's really about collaborating together to get the best results for whatever it is you're doing, whether it's the daily work of operations and maintenance or whether it's project delivery. And there's all kinds of really good examples of success and how we can just get better at doing it. So it's less command and control. In fact, that's disappearing, thank heavens. It's a lot more, how can we identify the problems that we need to solve together? And it's a lot of systems thinking and critical input and lots of success coming out of that. So So on the topic of picking the right technology for the building, can you give an example of like how the decision-making process happens within the facility? And what would you recommend teams do to make that whole decision-making process more efficient, more effective? How do people collaborate better? How do people select the right technology, get it implemented, etc.? Like maybe we pick like one example and how does it happen? How should it happen? Because I'm sure like facility managers, they're getting bombarded with new technologies coming to market, ton of technologies or, or companies pitching them new solutions, promising them all sorts of ROIs, etc. And they're getting overwhelmed, right? So how can they cut through the noise and pick the best one or that's right for their building and make that decision as a team? How should it all happen so that it works? That is such a timely question. Actually, thanks for bringing that up. I've been having that same deliberation and I've been talking with a number of technology companies. And yes, they're all really bombarding the marketplace with their solutions. It's a tough one. So I'll sort of answer this in stages. I like to start at the beginning. So if I'm an owner of infrastructure, I'm going to make certain that when I go to market for a new project, a new building, that I will put into the contract documents that is going to be how we actually draw, construct, and then hand over documentation for managing this building into the future. So I think we need to start with that. But I mean, we have buildings in various stages of their life cycle right now. So I would then, if we're dealing with an existing portfolio of buildings, take a look at, okay, what do we have in terms of systems? What is it that we need to focus on? What are the most important parts of data that we need to get at? And how can we actually then, we come to a conclusion that I need sensors for this, that the equipment we currently have in this building, is it able to actually work with sensors or are there other types of technology that will aid in providing data on state of the serviceability of various pieces of equipment? And if so, then how can we actually put that in place? So again, this is a very collaborative 
uh, risk opportunity review of what's there, what are we going to really need data on, why do we need it, and how best can we get that in place uh, and make it work in symphony with the equipment we have right now? Or do we start to bring technology on board in existing buildings as we replace out certain equipment? And that may be the right solution as well, particularly if you're combining it with sustainability measures and trying to get to net zero and other sustainability goals that an organization might have. So it's not an easy answer, but it's certainly, it's highly dependent on what the building type is, what it looks like, what it's used for. If we think about some of the more complex buildings out there, and right now, that would certainly be healthcare and hospitals, because not only is it really useful to have technology assist with managing the building and the equipment in it, but how do we make sure that we're also accommodating all of the technology and new technology that the users of the building are looking to bring into the building to use for their work? And are there issues that we need to be aware of in terms of power backups and flexibility and ease of access to get at whatever power, exhaust systems, heating, cooling, and all of that? And I'm just reminded of a story. When I worked in healthcare, we were actually building two buildings and not enough consultation with the users which is a huge issue. I mean, that's something that facility managers really are probably the most in the know about is the occupants and what it is that they need. So it's important to continue to have very close relationships with the occupants. So anyway, this story was that building this building and the FF&E, which is the occupants equipment, was not identified soon enough and they were bringing in some diagnostic equipment that was huge. And unfortunately, it didn't fit through doorways so we had to dismantle walls to get it in place. So, I mean, that's just a story, but it's all too common. So it's important that the facility management group, again, really immerse themselves with the occupants and really get to know the kind of work that they undertake. And I think healthcare is probably one of the most critical ones. I think the other one is airports and how particularly since the pandemic that threw a curveball on everyone's business, but how airports are able to coordinate a whole myriad of customers and workers in these buildings along with managing the building's equipment and everything else that needs to happen and looking into the future with different types of systems in the case of airports, perhaps fuel airlines, aircraft, and maybe changing out fuel systems for the building itself. So there are a whole myriad of challenges. Uh, Some of it is definitely opportunity for technology to be huge players. But I think what underlines all of this, no matter what direction facility managers decide to go, or organizations is coordinating and really working together as a team because life is too complex for anyone to think that this is possible by an executive decision. There's just too many moving parts. So taking some strategic planning in particular with occupants so that they can contribute on the story of how they do work or how they intend to change the way they do work in buildings. Mm -hmm. Sorry, that was a long story. No, no, it's a great story. No, it gives a lot of context into what some of these facilities 
companies are struggling with in the areas of like the low-hanging fruit, which starts with talking to the occupants on a regular basis. It's like basic, but super important. And so do you mind like giving an example or a case study of one of your clients with a shift to lean, where what were the challenges that they were facing with and how did you help them get those resolved? Feel free to anonymize. You don't need to mention names, but like what were they dealing with and why did they come to you and how did you help them overcome those challenges? So like a case study or like an example would be really helpful. I'll give some a couple of examples, but I, I won't include names. Yeah, don't include names. It's all good. Yeah, but just to give people a little bit of context, like, okay, what were they struggling with? They came to Kathleen and how did they overcome those challenges? Because I'm sure if that business came to you, I'm sure there's a lot of other companies out there that are facing similar challenges. And if they're listening to this podcast, maybe they get some nuggets and, and insights into what they could do within their own business to alleviate some of those challenges. Well, yeah, actually, it's kind of interesting because I think for the most part, excepting for a couple of examples, but mostly we get approached when things are dark, <laughs> when, when projects are really in trouble. And these are design construction projects and where they need a rescue. And so we've been able to assist with rescuing projects simply by introducing a better way to work together through lean. And so it's a whole practice of really collaboration. But the later a project is along its path, the less value that can be brought to it because its projects have been run in a linear fashion forever. There is the building industry lacks technology adoption more than any other, I would suggest. Even agriculture, which is really quite startling. The same results happen all the time. And it's like Groundhog Day. Nothing is ever learned, but the players keep changing. And that's a huge part of it. So if organizations are desiring to learn, and they should be desiring to learn, they need to capture learnings in smaller bites and start practicing them instead of waiting to the end and then drawing up a whatever lessons learned plan that lessons are never learned, they're filed, and then repeat. So we get called in to help rescue projects. I certainly advise owners of buildings that are getting involved in projects to actually start at the very beginning, start with a strategic planning exercise involving writing business cases for projects that are required to accommodate the work of that organization. So if it's schools or if it's healthcare, put together a contract, well, work with purchasing because, again, my reference to hierarchical governance there are too many silos. If you want to get really good at anything that you do, you have to collaborate. So bring in the folks that are in charge of purchasing and involve them in understanding why you need contracts that look like this and why you need to have contractors and subtrades involved in building your business case because they're the ones that can actually suggest, well, why do you want to do that? Like, why don't you try this instead? And besides, if we do that, then we can save time and money and blah, 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 blah. And so it's almost like a small team for a project of consultants, the right consultants, particularly given whatever challenges you might have on the site end of things. You might even want to involve whoever is providing the infrastructure. So that might be a municipal planner, but you want to invite them to have this discussion 
discussion and help you put together a business case that's going to outline a couple of really good approaches to building this new structure that you need for your business and will help put together costing elements of that project. So this is unusual. This doesn't often happen. And that's why we get repeats of projects way over schedule and way over budget. So that is certainly where we come in to assist. In fact, we're working with a couple of developers right now that's going through the lengthy, arduous process of working with municipalities to try and and secure approvals for building energy-efficient housing that's much needed. In Canada, it's also the case in the U.S., Australia, Britain too. So that's our advice to anyone out there. We like to talk with owners because that's where it should start, although we have certainly been invited by contractors to help them just organize the construction side of projects. As I said earlier, the value at the construction site is less, but it's been very helpful for these contractors to learn how to just work better together. And even if the best outcome is that they learn a lot more about lean and how to actually implement that in their own organization. So we have done that as well. We've actually been invited to speak with owners and contractors through a construction association. And so we put on training sessions so that we're talking directly with the owners. And in this case, it was government owners. And we're talking in the same rooms with contractors who bid on owners' contracts. And with an architect or two in the room. So that's our sweet spot. If we can get those three players, main players together in a room and that we can train them in how to adopt a lean design and construction methodology, then it's beautiful because we get an opportunity to invite discussions and questions and participation from everyone who's involved. So it's no longer linear. It's no longer the stark attack. And projects, it's very easy to map a project success when you have that kind of approach to it. So that's our joy. If we can find that level of interest for delivering on better projects, and it doesn't matter. It doesn't need to be a new building. It it could be replacing a roof structure, replacing a heating system or something. So the same methodology applies and it works equally as well. It's just the larger the project, the bigger the win. So. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, totally. And how do you measure success? Is it like when people come to you in the darkest hours? Is it how do you measure success? Like saving the project or like completing it? within a certain budget or within a certain time frame? Or how do you measure whether things are better or worse? That's a good question. Actually, there's two kinds of measures that we do. The standard project performance is on schedule on budget and getting a product that is the quality that the owner expects. So those metrics still apply. But for us, I think, and those are perhaps easier to achieve. The most important metric for us is when we see in this group of folks that we're working with, when we see this aha moment, when they say, oh man, okay, now I get it. I see this. This is exciting. I want to jump in and I want to do this. I want to really make this part of my everyday kind of work. That is the most important metric. When we can see this transfer of insight and excite to actually pursue this way of doing work because it is very successful. And when people grab it, it's so much more exciting because it's it just takes on a life of its own in a very positive way. Way, so. so it's basically the aha moment is around the improvement of the collaboration between people and the communication between people. Is that the aha? Like it, there are people, it's just a better collaboration? That's a huge part of it, but it's also a better coordination.
organization, right? So projects are so complex and there are so many moving parts. And we spend a lot of time working with folks just, we use this approach, it's called value stream mapping. So we know what the end state needs to be. And then we just start from the end and we work forward and we lay out all the steps. And then we start asking questions. Well, why do we do that? Why do we do that? And, and this is a group exercise because the people who are involved in this are actually working on it. And so they go, yeah, why do we do that? Why don't we do this instead? So collectively, then they start to improve on processes that have really been irksome for them over the past whatever number of years in their career. And just simply by by making the whole thing very visible and allowing that they contribute to their own success, it's beautiful. So that's actually a huge part of starting, right? So Totally. What's the first step to do this? Like who is in charge? Whom do they loop in in their team? Or like what's the first step in getting started? Well, what we typically do is we like to advise owners on actually how to go to market for their project. And we're very clear that, okay, you have no interest, frankly, in talking to the owner of an architectural firm or an engineering firm or a contractor's firm. What you and who you want to talk to are the people that all of these companies are going to assign to your project. And so you want to make it clear when you go to market that this is what you will be making a judgment on in terms of who's going to join your project. This is how it's going to lay out. And these are the traits of the people who will be assigned to the project. So they have to be team players. They have to be good listeners. They have to be good collaborators. And then while price is still, well, it's a small percentage, we advise prices in the whole realm of making a decision on who's going to participate. Price is maybe 10%. We look for interviewing actual people that will be assigned to the project. And we give owners a list of questions. We can participate with them. If, as they're using. But we like to interview people and we want to source out as their level of empathy, I guess, of emotional intelligence, of how they deal with situations, because there's always situations and there's always different perspectives. So we're really asking questions about how they interact with people. And because of the day, lean itself is all about, it revolves around respect for people. And so it's an opportunity to really get into a collaborative headspace. As part of our engagements on projects, we actually do a lot of gaming. So there's a lot of gameplay, which tends to bring folks together. And we actually spend time, strangely enough, going out for dinner together or having lunch together and creating relationships that are trusting and that are all focused in on the same end game. So it's as much about people interaction as it is about the knowledge of structural engineering, for instance. Mm -hmm, totally. Hey, Kathleen, this was great. This is a fascinating conversation and learned a ton. So I really appreciate all the insights. And before we wrap this up, is there anything else that you would like to share with the audience? Well, I think that IFMA is a great organization. I really want to make that clear. It's international. There are so many really amazing people with an incredible knowledge base. I'm even discovering that and I've been in the business for a really long time. But I'm fascinated by the amount of knowledge that's within this marketplace that's easily tapped into to help solve all kinds of challenges and questions. And so it's a great resource for sure. I'm absolutely promoting facility management consultants for sure. But there are consultants involved in all kinds of things within facility management, in e-business generally, all kinds of different segments of this very broad business. And so it's a great place 
place to join. And it's a great, again, opportunity to get to know tons of resources. I'm still learning myself and I love it. It's great. Awesome. Awesome. That's great. And Kathleen, if people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way to reach out to you? We have a website and contact information on there. Certainly, if they're part of IFMA, even if they're not, get on the website. There are a number of them. And my contact information is on there as well. I'm, as I mentioned, now the president of the Facility Management Consultants Council. So, but just I'm easily found for sure on the web. Okay, great. Awesome. And what's the name of the website? Is it Shift and the number two Lean? Yes, absolutely. Oh, great. Awesome. And people can go on that website and submit a form or so to get in touch with you. Yeah, not even that. Just there's a phone number and email on there. The phone number and email. Okay, awesome. Awesome. Great, Kathleen. Hey, thank you so much again for your time and the valuable insights. Learned a lot. And yeah, everybody, hope you enjoyed this episode and we'll hope to see you at the next one. All right. Take care. Thank you. This was it for today's show. Again, my name is JM from Decisive Leap. You can check us out on www.decisiveleap.co to learn a little bit more about our team and our capabilities. If you'd like to share feedback on the show, topics you'd like us to address, or have a guest that you'd like to recommend for the show, simply go to our website and get in touch there. Again, that is www.decisiveleap.co. Looking forward to hearing from you. Bye-bye.